This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Time to take the third step on the road to Istanbul. I'm Guy Clark and this is the road to Istanbul 15 years on here on the Blood Red channel as we aim to bring you insight and memories from the Reds' historic fifth European Cup triumph. Following on from an opening night win over Monaco, the Reds fell to defeat away at Olympiakos. Deportivo La Coruña would be the Reds' third opponents heading to Anfield on Tuesday the 19th of October. Well, joining me along the way, as he has for the previous two instalments, is Dan Kay. Dan, thanks for your time. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Guy. And I'm delighted to say, joining us on the line for this episode as well, is the man between the sticks, the first of his four group game appearances for Liverpool in the run to Istanbul, and that was Chris Kirkland. Chris, how are you? Good afternoon, chaps. You okay? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, not so bad. Thanks for joining us, Chris. And looking at the game, as I said before, it was your, your first involvement in the group stage proper, as it were, for Liverpool that season. What were your feelings going into the game? Just excited to be playing, obviously. Um, as you said, one of my first games. Um, to, you know, I think it was it Tuesday night under the lights at Anfield. It was, you know, I, was, I, just, I just couldn't wait for the game to come round. You know, I always wanted to playing Champions League games at Anfield. We know the, you know, even more so now the history of them games after what's happened the last few years with games. But even back then, just to playing them games was incredible experience and and one that will live with me forever. And I suppose in that season, it, it was a new feeling at the club with Rafa Benitez having come in during the summer. Yes, it was, it was, it was. But he was, you know, he was very, with the league as well, but you could just sense that Rafa was, very focused as well on you know on on the Champions League, put a lot of a lot into that. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the European nights. I always say to anybody that you know, just football fans in general, if they ever get the chance to go to Anfield and, and witness you know the the atmosphere, and it's just totally different. I mean, the league games are great and the atmosphere is brilliant, but even the Liverpool fans will say night games at Anfield in in the Champions League is something to you know if you're lucky enough to be there, they're, they're incredible occasions. And is it something that even now, sort of, obviously, your playing days have, have come to a close? But with the media stuff, you go back on those European nights. It's even more poignant now, thinking of it, that you were involved in those, especially in this campaign. It is, and like I said, I mean, the atmosphere back then was brilliant. But compared to, I mean, you know, I think it's gone tenfold since then. Obviously, what happened in, you know, the Barcelona games and the Olympiacos games, but. You know the comebacks that have happened at Anfield and and the performance in some of the results. I mean, the Barcelona game was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been at. The best atmosphere I've ever been at. You know, last season when we when we overturned that, which nobody, let's face it, nobody would have said that before the game, no matter how conf, you know, how uh, much of a Liverpool fan there were. You know, things like that don't happen very often apart from at Anfield. Heading back to two thousand and four at the time. Yeah. You'd been at the club three years as it was at the time, but you were still only 23 years of age. You must have felt that year coming into it, you probably saw as a chance for a real breakthrough for you to try and establish yourself as that number one. I did, I did. I mean, when I first signed for club, Gerard Hullier told me that I'd be number two to Jersey um, and to learn from him, um, to, you know, to watch the way he trains, to learn from him as a person as well. And that helped me tremendously. And he said, when my time comes, you know, it, it would play me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I felt as though that was my that was my chance to have a run in the team, um, which happened. And unfortunately, injury struck again, which happened quite a bit when I was at Liverpool, which put a damper on things, obviously. But 
yeah, I was I was ready at that point. And, and as I say, them games, when I was that, I just remember when I first signed for Liverpool, people would say, oh, you're not you're the pressure and all that sort of stuff. But I just wanted to play. I wanted to train as much as I could. Nothing fazed me back then at all. It's not until you get slightly older that you realise some of the games when you're coming towards the end of your career. But when you're younger, you just want to play. And I just remember that. I just wanted to make saves. I wanted to play at Anfield. I wanted to try and help the team. And, and I was lucky enough to do that on a few occasions. Chris, Danny, I mean, I, I don't know how much you can remember in terms of how you felt before the game, bearing in mind it's it's 15 years ago. But yeah. uh, from a supporter's point of view, certainly when the draw was made, the group stage draw, um, and the fact that we do the previous season's, previous season's runners-up, Monaco, but Deportivo um, were quite a name themselves at the time, having reached the semis the year before and have an epic comeback against AC Milan in the quarterfinal when they won the second leg 4-0 at home, having lost 4-1 in the San Siro. How much confidence was there going into the squad before this tie, bearing in mind that we'd only taken, I think we'd won, won one and lost one, hadn't we, from the first two? And I think that the weekend before, we'd won at Fulham 4-2, which was, I think, the first away win of the season. So it had been a little bit of an up-and-down beginnings of the campaign under the, under the new managers it was then yeah well as you said it was we wasn't performing as well we got that win against Fulham as you mentioned but we, we were fully aware that you know we were at home and you know they say that 10 points to qualify from the group yeah as you said we were on three we had four games left so we knew we had to make up you know we knew we had to get at least seven points from the last four games so you know your home games are vital if you can win at least two of your home games then you set yourself up to, you know, to, to qualify. So we, we were we were well aware of that. What you don't want is to, you know, to lose that. We see it these days. You lose that, and then you go into the final three games needing to win or get seven mm-hmm. points from three games, which makes things extremely difficult. So, yeah, we were made aware of that. We knew as players, but the management staff as well. You know, it was a must-win game. It was. It was. A, you know, it was. It was a must-win game for us if we could have done that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, no, and you, you mentioned that, though, in terms of before that Rafa did have that focus on the European games and the European campaign, as it were. And as the season went off, went on, obviously, of course, the Olympiacos game that you're involved in as well. Was there a feeling even down at Melwood? I know the back end of the campaign, you were obviously with that back injury ruled out. But was there a feeling even around the place down at Melwood that as the season went on, this was actually something that was building and there was that momentum behind you? Yes, definitely, hundred percent. It's particularly after that Olympiacos game, you know, with the facts that when we come back from that and we needed to win by two goals after that game, you know, you hear the saying it was written in the stars. We just there was just this feeling, this confidence that we were going to go on and win it. Um, so yeah, particularly after that Olympiacos game, with the circumstances, obviously Stevie scoring late on, there was just a sense after that that there was just a feeling that it was meant to be for us, and yeah, all the players were certainly confident, and Rafa was as well. And I suppose on the night of this game, after coming in after a goalless draw, a game in which I think you had a number of chances in, the mood must have been very different at that time, was it? Sorry, after the Deportivo game? Yeah, yeah. Was that the feeling yes. that it was one that got away from um, you? Well, we knew, what, do we have four points after three games? So we knew that, yeah, we're going to have to, have to go on some run uh, to, to qualify, which obviously we managed to do. But yeah, we, we were certainly up against it then. You know, you think, well, we've slipped up there, particularly at home. And, you know, yes, we got a point, but... You want three points in that game, and yeah, we certainly felt as though, you know, we were gonna we, we were gonna have to go and, and go some to qualify. But yeah, I mean, after you know, we all know what happened after that. We did, and we went on, and it was a you know, it was a special year. For, from a supporter's point of view, Chris, I do remember kind of like after the game, 
a slight kind of feeling of an ease that, you know, we'd now played two of our three home games and yeah. we'd only won one of the three and we were kind of falling behind the eight, the eight ball a little bit. I, I don't remember feeling particularly negative after the game and kind of like, oh, it's all over, we've got no chance of qualifying. And for me, I think one of the things that's, that's obviously having refreshed my memory a little bit in recent in recent days in the, in the build-up to this, we, and, and looking at the scores as well, the fact that, it, well, obviously we wanted to score, we wanted to win the game, but at least we kept another clean sheet, which was two out of two at home in the Champions League. And I do remember kind of, it, may, it might have been a slight element of clutching, clutching at straws at the time, but there was kind of, in my mind, a feeling, well, this team, at least we're not shipping goals left, right and centre, and we've got two tough away games coming up, but if we can keep it tight at the back that at least gives us a chance if we're able maybe to nick something up front. And even though obviously it was very early in Rafa's reign, that kind of defensive resilience and solidity was, was a real kind of key aspect of how, how, he, how he would look to set a team up, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And that was, that was as soon as he come in, you know, he, he said he was going to work defensively. I mean, we used to do a lot of drills on the training pitch defensively with and without the ball. Mm. Just getting us into shape, getting us hard to break down. So yeah, we, you, you're spot on there, and particularly when you go away from home as well in Europe, if you can stay solid, you'll always get chances on the counter attack. And we have obviously had pace in our team, um, you know, pretty much all over the team. So we knew that we would get chances, uh, but we just, as you said, we we had to keep clean sheets. But we, we were more than confident of doing that because of the because of the players we've had and the way Rafa set us up, uh, particularly in the European games. And it's an interesting point Dan raises this, certainly with Rafa Benitez, because we, we've heard from so many players who played under him, outfield players, about the demands that he wanted on them positionally and everything like that. But a phrase we always hear now, modern day goalkeeping, it, it sort of gets rolled out through the ages at any time. And I suppose back then, 15 years ago, modern day goalkeeping was Petr Cech or Jens Lehmann coming out, catching the ball and throwing it out as quick as they could or kicking it, obviously, as high up the pitch as they could in Petr Cech's case. But for you as a goalkeeper, what was it like that summer with Rafa? Was it different training under Gerard Houllier and Rafa Benitez? Were there different sort of demands put on you? On me as a goalkeeper or the yeah. team? No, on, on, on you me. as a goalkeeper, yeah. Yeah, I struggled. I must admit, I struggled because under Gerard, obviously, I had Joe Corrigan, who was my goalie coach, um, you know, English-British chap. And uh, he trained the way that I'd been brought up at Coventry and the way I, I liked to train and the way I felt got me the best out of me, which obviously, you know, got me the move to Liverpool in the end. And then obviously uh, Gerard left Rafa come in and brought a Spanish goalie coaching and it just didn't work for me at all. You know, I wasn't working hard enough, not saying I did myself, you know, I wanted to do more work, but I wasn't allowed. You know, they didn't see it as I needed to do more work, hands and all that, which I'd been brought up on. So I really struggled with the goalkeeper coach and my form dipped and, and you know, and it resulted in the end of me leaving the club because obviously he bought Pepe Rainier in, which was a, you know, a brilliant move, you know, he's an outstanding goalkeeper, but yeah, my time training with a goalie coach was tough because I wasn't getting what I felt I needed to get more hard work. It was more, a lot more say laid back. It was not, the tempo wasn't there, which I needed. So I really struggled with it. Was it the difference that you mentioned sort of the, the British idea of goalkeeping, I suppose, of jumping up, say, you, your shot stopping, working a lot on that, coming and catching your crosses. But I suppose the continental style was, as you say, perhaps more laid back and a bit of work with your, your feet, but certainly yeah. building attacks from the back where you were primarily used to, I suppose, being a shot stopper. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I remember I used to like coming out and, and taking crosses and catching them. And then we did a session once with Rafa where he actually took me for a training session and, and I come out and caught the first one. He went, no, 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 I don't want you catching things. I want you to punch everything. Really? And, That's yeah, so it was, I mean, and I just thought this is not going to work, you know, because this is not me. I want to come out. And, and I used to dominate my area quite a bit at Coventry. And, you know, in the early years at Liverpool, I used to love coming and taking crosses and, but then that sort of knocked me back a bit. And, you know, he's saying, I don't want you to do that. And I'm saying, well, you know, I, I do that. I like coming and taking. You no, know, you'll get knocked and it could cost a goal if you if you spill one. And I, I just want you to punch it. So from that moment, then that was quite early on. I thought, this is not going to this is not going to end well at all. And it didn't, you know, it started to affect my confidence that I wasn't doing enough training. I wasn't ready for games. I wasn't sharp enough. So the training was totally different. And then, you know, coming off Liverpool, I had the same when I went to Wigan. I had an English goalie coach under Gary Walsh and Nigel Spink um, under under Brucey and and uh, Paul Joel. Roberto Martinez come in, obviously Spanish brought a Spanish goalie coach in, and the same thing happened again and and resulted in me in the end me, me form dipping and and ended up leaving the club. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. By the stage this game came around, the Deportivo game in mid October. Had you started, I suppose, at the time, you, you say now, obviously, looking back, you can look back at it in hindsight and think this isn't going to work. But by that time, did you feel as though you were beginning to get to grips with it? Obviously, you replaced Jersey Dudek in the team and I suppose through the autumn of this season, you were the number one. Yeah, well, I was doing, to be honest, I was doing secret training sessions myself. Uh, <laughs> Way yeah, you. When I was back home, because I, <laughs> I was getting a coach to come and, and, and you know give me sessions, what I needed, what I felt I needed. A lot of hands, a lot of volleys, half volleys, ups, downs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was doing that because I, I knew that, you know, I had a chance in the team and I knew that I had to try and give myself the best opportunity to sustain the team. So, I was, uh, yeah, I was doing training sessions outside the club, which obviously you shouldn't do. Did you ever kind of feed back to, I mean, over the years you kind of hear about you know, how Rafa Benitez's management style was. I think Stephen mm. Gerrard quite publicly has always said that you know, he never kind of, he wasn't really one for the kind of arm round the shoulder type no. of approach. It was kind of very much his way or the highway. Was he the kind of man, kind of approachable manager that, that you or any other player could feel they could go up to and say, listen, I don't feel this is really working for me? Or was it very much... I did it. Did you? I did it. Yeah, I did it. And uh, his response was, no, I know what's best. Um, this is the way you're trained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's the, so he's the, he's the boss and that's, and that's the end of it. That's it. There's wow. exactly exact words I said, listen, I need more training. I need to work harder. No, you don't. We know what's best. Um, you know, this is the way you train. And that was it. Mm. Did that have a, did that conspire? Did that have a, an influential part in, obviously, the injury that came in the December after the Olympiacos came after the Everton match? Was that this extra training and extra workload that you were putting on yourself that you felt you needed to do that led to the injuries or do you look back and think how things perhaps could have turned out a different way at Liverpool? Well, I mean, the, the, the eventual injury, the back injury, no, no, definitely not because that happened early on in the season and it was, uh, you know, it was as simple as a game of leapfrog. There's a warm-up, Stephen, and pushed down on the bottom of my back and, um, and the disc bulged out. Ooh. So, you know, got back, but it was never, it was never right and it was always going to need an ending of an operation with, and, and that, you know that's what I ended up needing doing. But I mean, I was sensible. With, I was doing stuff outside it, obviously with the extra training. But it, it, it was at times when I could do it. I weren't saying right, I'm going to do it every day after training. Yeah. It was certain days if we didn't do as much 
at Liverpool, then I'd go and do it straight away after, you know, in the afternoon. So it weren't it like eight, nine o'clock at night or anything. And then I was in more, you know, training the next day. It was always structured where I could get it in sort of thing. So, but no, that, 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 that had no effect, but I need, as I said, I needed to do that. I mean, that didn't happen all the time. It did stop because the coach, I think he moved away somewhere. So I couldn't get any more sessions with him. Uh, but that, and then that's when it really started to, to affect us because I just wasn't getting the work at all. I was, as like I said, I asked for more um, with Rafa and said, look, I need more of the goalie coach, more work. And it, you know, just got knocked back. I mean, it's really interesting to hear you say that, Chris, because um, I think, you know, not just in, in football training grounds, I think in most places of work, um, there's often a perception that, you know, a lot of people will do as little work as they can get away with. And I think, mm. you, know, from, you know, from certain, maybe more critical supporters would think, well, well, most footy players would be made up if they if they if they if they're told that they don't have to do as much work. Obviously, the more professional and conscientious and thorough ones like yourself would, you know, for their own kind of peace of mind and, and to feel on top of the game, will want to make sure that the, that the training and the preparation is spot on. So, you know, to your recollection at that time at Liverpool, were there, was there anyone else that kind of had similar similar issues that kind of felt that the training wasn't really best suited for for them? Well, it's all right. I mean, you know, some of Rafa's sessions at times are tough. Like, we'd do a lot of shape play without the ball. So, it would mm. literally be 30, 40 minutes just moving without the ball sort of thing. So, you know, no players like doing them, no, no matter what the shape. Boring is silly, I imagine. Yeah it's, yeah, it's boring. You know, it's boring. But, you know, it, it did work. You know, well, you results tell you that, yeah. Particularly in your Yeah, own. you know, the evidence is there that it did. But, yeah, I mean, the, there were some sessions that, you know, you get you get that at every club, though. To be fair, you'll get some sessions that that some players like, some don't, and mm. it's very difficult to get everybody on the same wavelength. Uh, apart from, I'd imagine at Liverpool now with Jurgen. I mean, <laughs> the training there seems to be the spot on. We had it at Wigan with Steve Bruce and Eric Black. You know, every session, I think everybody enjoyed the sessions, but it, that's few and far between. So I think you'll always get some like it, some don't. And the winter of 2004, as it would happen to be, I suppose the Olympiakos game must go down as one of the real high points of your career. But the way in which, obviously, your career at Liverpool would then go the following summer, having been ruled out through injury, is it a bittersweet moment as well, even talking about it, looking back on it, that it was a great moment being part of that team that got into the Champions League knockout stages, but then the injury and what else followed, it was, I suppose, the beginning of your end of your time at Liverpool. Yeah, it was, and it was tough. Yeah, I mean, being part of that game. I mean, listen, I've always been a Liverpool fan. My first game was when I was eight years old in the 80s. We used to come up to Anfield and stand in the cop in them days. So, you know, I've always been a Liverpool fan. You know, to play one game for me, I'd do it all over again just for one game. Yeah, I was lucky really. enough to play more than that. But, yeah, the club's special to me. But, yeah, I knew, I knew. you know, you'd, um, Rafa come and said, look, I want to sign a foreign goalkeeper. I don't want an English goalkeeper. Um, in, in that summer of, what was it, 2005? just after the Champions League. So, obviously, when, when your manager says that, you've got to go, um, which, as hard as it was, I needed to. I, you know, I needed to go because I knew I weren't going to be playing. Uh, I'd become stale there. Um, but I've I had some brilliant memories, as you say, no more so than that. You know, my debut, and no more so than that Olympiacos game. That was just, you know, I was right behind Stevie's shot as well. Knew it was in as soon as it left his boot. I mean, I think we had about six or seven minutes after that. I think it was about five minutes injury time to, to sort of hold on you know, to get through sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, that night was incredible. It was. I mean, I, I, I was right behind Stevie's shot as well, yeah. but on the cop. So, so, so at the other end for you and the whole night, you know, to me is, is absolutely, I've been going 30 odd years, it, it absolutely in, in my very, very top 
table of memories. And yeah. it, it, it must have been, it, the, it, I still remember it vividly myself, the, 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 the huge contrast between the high of that, of that Wednesday night at Anfield, walking out of that ground, knowing that we'd, we'd got into the, the knockout stages, that if you remember, you're part of the build-up to it as well, was, would, would Steve and Gerrard leave? And then, you know, once we got through, you know, there was very much a feeling, oh, well, he's more likely to stay now as well. The contrast yeah. between that and then three, three, day, three and a half days later going to Goodison, which for what was a massive derby match um, against Everton and obviously coming out on the wrong side of a 1-0 scoreline then. Yeah. It was very much that kind of season when it, it it was those kind of contrasts between the domestic action and the European action. It almost seemed like, I, th- I think I'm think i right in saying Liverpool lost 14 league games that year. Yeah. But still managed to finish fifth. How, you know, how much of an impact did that have on the kind of, on the mood in the dressing room, this kind of like roller coaster? situation that the club was finding itself in almost week after week you're right it was it was we had some you know we didn't we didn't know it in the league we, we didn't know you know 14 games in a season that's that's not acceptable at a club like Liverpool is it no, it's, no. it's 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 nowhere near um, but then we had the highs of the Champions League and that sort of it, it was almost as though we were two separate things the Champions League which is two separate things but mm. you know it, almost the league got not pushed to the side but the focus as soon as you go further and further in a cup competition you can't help but think, right, we've got a chance here, we've got a chance here. Yeah. And, that, and it does, it does take priority sometimes. Well, most times it does. And we got uh, to the League Cup final that year as well, so that was yeah, exactly. rambling on in the background. Well, particularly when you're not doing as well in the league, mm. then you sort of think, well, we're not, you know, we can't really do much, we're not going to finish in wherever. So, you know, the, the cup competitions take priority and, and you, you can't help but think about, you know, reaching the final getting to semi-finals and, and playing in them games because clubs like Liverpool you should be doing that year in, year out. You know, you should be getting to the last stages. So it, it definitely, the league form luckily didn't affect the Champions League form but you could probably say the Champions League form affected the league form and affected where we were in the league. So it was it was a strange, it was a strange uh, scenario and a strange season. And Chris, on the, on the Champions League journey as it obviously reached the end, I read a, an article, an interview with Scott Carson a year or so ago regarding the immediate aftermath of the final that he went to you with his medal and said you deserve this you played four of the six group games the key one obviously against Olympiacos do, do you have a medal? No so he knew um, so mine I was meant to get one but uh, <laughs> so Rafa had a lot of staff you know he brought a lot of staff with him and the, the, the shout is that well, somebody of that staff got my medal so I never, I never got a medal. Scotty, who good friends with Scotty, offered me his. He knew this, you know. He asked where my medal was. Um, I said, look, I've not got one. I didn't get one. And he said, listen, you deserve this. You have mine. And I said, no, listen, you've played your part. You know, you're here today on the bench, and you know, you you deserve it. Um, you know, just as much as I do. So he was, he was desperately trying to put it in my pocket and all sorts. <laughs> and I had to, I think I had to run away from him in the end to stop him giving it me. Oh. But he, uh, but yeah, no, I never got, and, and that that you know that people ask me that all the time, and and that was tough. That was tough to take actually, and but yeah, never, never, never got a medal, and then obviously we missed the we missed the parade on the way back because there was two planes, and you know the bus l- was leaving Melbourne, didn't wait for the second plane, so there was a lot of us. There was me, I think Stevie Warnock. There was a couple of us, Neil yeah. Mellor, that that missed the that missed the parade, which again was to that really. Yeah, well, it was you know it was it was it, it wasn't nice because we got home and put it on the TV. Obviously, I'm mean, listen. I'm a Liverpool fan. I always have been, mm. but but I didn't. You know, would I love to be on that bus? God, would I? <laughs> it was uh, you know it was yeah. So that that was as you said the the bit of sweet moments. That was 
the end of at the end of the campaign, it was not nice. Obviously, not getting one of the medals and and missing the parade. So, but and then I, you know, I left the club. But the and I, I think you know, Guy really took the took the words out of my mouth. I, I think bittersweet very much. Yeah, would be the overarching characteristic, I suppose, of, of your experience. At the time, as the, as the years have moved on, and obviously you've you've come to the end of your, of your playing career now, and as, as you know, you're launching your own your own goalkeeping academy. Yeah. As um, obviously, over the last couple of years, Liverpool have really become a force in European football again. Yeah, I, 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 I would I would hope, and I would very much, you know, and I think I would I'd like to think a lot of a lot of Liverpool fans would agree with this that the the the, the memories. Um, that the recent matches and the recent triumphs have kind of like helped dig up again. Hopefully, have cut, you know, I'd like to think they will, they will, they'll give you and the likes of you know Neil Meller and others that you know Matt, you know, Cinema Pongold, you know, played yeah. a huge part in in, in that um, Olympiacos game and, and and the comeback in the second half. You know, Igor Biscan, you know, he, yeah. he, 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 he certainly never got on the pitch in Istanbul, but the, there was a whole kind of there was a whole host of a cast of characters who all played very, very important cameos. And certainly from, from my point of view, <clears throat> I would hope that as time's gone on, there's a realisation for all of you that, that you, the part you played was significant and will never be forgotten and, 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 and can't be taken away from you, whether you've got a medal or not to show for it on the, on the mantle. No, it, yeah, listen, I appreciate that. And, and there is that, you know, it, even if you play in all the games and you miss the final... Um, you know, you, you still don't feel as though you deserve that medal, even if you have played. You know, the final is the final, and um, the final is the final. And um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I'm proud of what I did. You know, I, you know, Good. as you I be. said before, I'm, I'm, I'd have done it all over again just to play one game for Liverpool. So it's always a team I've supported. You know, I had some great times there. Um, I'm still involved heavily in the club now. Luckily, my daughter's in the academy. Um, you know, so I go to a lot of games still, and and still have a lot to do with Liverpool, and right. I hope that continues, you know, for, forever because it's a special club, it's a wonderful club with some wonderful people. You know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of people at the club and what the club does and everything like that. So I'm just privileged to be able to be a part of that, and yes, to, you know, to have played for the club and to be part of that year that won the Champions League in 2005. That will, yeah, that will stay with me forever. And Chris, I can't think of a more fitting way to bring things to an end. I know you've got to get off because you've got a game actually you need to get to this afternoon. But thanks yeah, a lot for joining us. And uh, no problem. No problem. Take care, chaps. Thanks All the best. Bye bye. Chris Kirkland here with us for the third instalment of the Road to Istanbul. We'll be back, of course, in a couple of weeks' time as the away tie in Deportivo came around. Sat on four points from three games, there was work to do for Rafa's men. But until next time, it's bye for now and thank you for joining us here on Blood Red. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.